in three, two, one. John, are we live? We are, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's cold in here. You're yeah, it's freezing a little chilly. Me. A little chilly. It's it'll warm up. So John and I, and I announce this at every show, so our guests know, we do shout-outs at the beginning of our shows, and John always one, two, three, four ups me, so I'm sure he's got some shout-outs to make my shout-outs look bad, but I have a good one today, so you better you better have come prepared. Let's hear them. Oh, man, that sounds like a challenge. All right, let's see what we got. Uh, you know, I'm a big one for first responders. By the way, it's usually saving kittens, saving babies, and I can it never is. one up it. it it's is. something it always is. along <laughs> the lines of like saving somebody. So one up uh, me away. <laughs> it's always, it's, uh, it's first responders are always top of my list. And there was a horrific situation in Pittsburgh. Uh, there were some police officers that stopped all of that. There were some people that were gravely injured on the, on the force and my thoughts go out to them and everybody who was a victim, of course. Uh, so shout out to the officers. Uh, speaking of officers, my sister was an officer for 22 years. She's retired, uh, living the good life, but she's got a birthday coming up t- uh, Friday. So happy birthday, Diane, and I will see you Friday night for a big celebration. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's it. Oh, there's also real real quick. It's not really a shout out. It's sort of a, a promo. Uh, there is an event that I'm going to tomorrow night at Bottle Blonde. Let's see. Uh, I believe I've got a graphic here. It is a Day of the Dead networking event, and it's by our. It's being hosted by our friend Sherry Duffy, oh. and it is being sponsored in part by our friends at Pantamonium, which we all love. Uh, I'm putting up right now a promo code on the screen so that you can go there, uh, ladiesnightchicago.eventbrite.com, use promo code wheelhouse, and get a free ticket. Two hours, open bar, six to eight, with 20 different brands. So it's gonna be a good time. Uh, Pantamonium, I'll see you there tomorrow. Sherry, see you tomorrow. Mo's, Mo's busy doing other important stuff, but uh, I'll be there representing Wheelhouse. Well, great. You won up me and you gave a promo for free liquor, so I'm, I'm fucked. Um, no, I agree with your shout out on the first responders, and um, that's a cool event. Sherry and Pantamonium are awesome. Uh, my only shout out was because I'm leaving town next week for Lawrence, our past guest's wedding. Yes. I was going to give him a shout out because he's getting married next week in Tahiti. Um, Lawrence has been a guest of the show a couple times and uh, he's a big supporter of the show. So shout out to him because he's getting married. But once again, I've been one, two, three upped by you. No, but Until Lawrence that. Lawrence deserves big shout outs and much happiness. He's a good dude. I know you guys have been friends for a long time. So I wasn't invited. You know, but that's all right. <laughs> I still need a plus one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just pack my bag and jump to, what, Tahiti, right? Tahiti, yeah. I don't know if Southwest... Well, it's actually Morea. So this is not really a shout out to him. He's making us fly to Tahiti and then take a shuttle ferry to Morea, which is like a little island. Oh. So we're actually on the island of Morea. Is this the geography lesson portion of Wheelhouse? It is. And by the way, it's in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. So um, my buddies make fun of me because I, I bought a satellite phone. Oh, come on. Literally, really? I, I have to work. Like, if it doesn't, if my phone's not working out there, I'm screwed. Mm. But I'm only giving a couple people the number to my satellite phone. 
It's also kind of a. I'll put a graphic. I'm a to- I'm a toy. I'm a toy guy. I know. So I literally I have a satellite phone now. You just want to look important. That's all. Walk it around. I swear, I'm just gonna walk around with my big ass satellite phone in my hand, <laughs> even when I have full service out there. Um, Amazon Prime is supposed to deliver it today. Well, Excited. I can't wait to see it. Get take a picture of it. Give me the number. I'll. Yeah. Give you a call. Was, my buddies were making important. fun of me for it, but I said, listen, if we're off fishing or we are scuba diving and shit hits the fan and your phones don't work, I'm going to laugh at all of you because I'll be the only one that's got a phone that actually works. Okay. Let, let us all know. When you get back, yeah. we'll have a conversation on how that all worked itself. I, I just I want to see it. Well, I'm excited for today's show because we got Ryan Marks. Um, he's the owner-operator of the VIG Chicago Whale Chicago, which is a new venture coming up. He's got a couple other new ventures. Hopefully, he'll share some of them with us. Legacy Hospitality. He's here to discuss everything from his background, his businesses, but even more importantly, um, he's got an event coming up on November 5th. It's called Herd. It's being held to bring awareness and benefit mental health in the hospitality industry. I'm pretty excited to talk about that because mental health is a topic not a lot of people like to approach, but it's also a topic that's extremely important. We're gonna talk about it in general and then in the hospitality industry. So I'm gonna thank Ryan for coming on and then I'm gonna have him tell you guys what Herd's about because he's gonna do a much better job than I am. <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, um, I agree with you. You know, it's a, it's an issue that is difficult to talk about, and uh, it's a sensitive subject. Um, but it's definitely affecting us more and more these days. Um, really, the event kind of came about um, by the uh, passing of Anthony Bourdain, and um, my sous chef came to me and he said, I, "This has really touched me, and I want to do something about it." Uh, his name's Jacob Funk. He's a great, a great young chef, and. Uh, I said, you know, I support you. Whatever you want to do, let's let's put it together, and you know, um, I'll support you through the process. And um, he's really kind of taken it and ran with it, along with our events coordinator Samantha Nam and uh, my business partner Nicholas Philemon, and uh, they put together just a, a tremendous event. Um, so it's the first time we've ever closed to the public. Um, it's called Herd. So Herd in the hospitality industry is basically like an audible acknowledgement. Oh, so you okay. say, you know, if I'm like, hey, pass me that, I say, heard, like I heard oh, you. Oh, okay. So it's a quick way in and out of uh, saying that we understood each other. Yep. So that was perfect with the name of the event because um, this topic needs to be discussed. It needs to be heard. And uh, so it ended up being a perfect name, and they did a great job with it, and then paired with Hope for the Day, which is a great organization that um, is uh, suicide prevention and also awareness to uh, mental health. Specifically in the in the hospitality industry, it hits us pretty hard. Um, it hits chefs really hard. It hits managers uh, really hard. Uh, we go in dramatic swings of immediate satisfaction all throughout our days. I mean, my job is to throw a party for a living, and I do it every day. So I go from party to the next 10 minutes you're at home by yourself alone, and it's like, whoa, your mind's still racing. Everything's still going on. And so there's a lot of challenges that come along with that. There's an unwinding period that has to happen when you leave that type of environment. And what's there to unwind with? It's all around you is alcohol and food and more partying. And so it can become a slippery slope very quickly um, to kind of create you know, a, a waterfall effect of, of slipping into some, some unhealthy habits. Um, so we're real excited to kind of bring some conversation around um, discussing the topic um, and bringing some awareness to it. We're very fortunate that um, 
a guy I've looked up to for almost my entire career, Kevin uh, Bame, is going to be our keynote speaker, who's co-owner of Boca Restaurant Groups. Um, he's an extremely talented uh, guy, and he's been doing um, a lot of uh, talking points around um, mental health awareness in, in the industry and with with his group. And so we're very pleased to have him and excited for the event. And Jacob's put together an incredible Southern style meal. He actually just cooked on WGN uh, this morning and I ran in after the cameras caught and stole the fried chicken <laughs> and ate it. I'm from the South as well. So I got to, I got to eat my fried chicken at least once a day. Um, but really excited for it. It's going to, it's going to be a great event. So it's Monday from seven to, uh, seven to nine. Um, we've got information on our website, thevigchicago.com. And then we also have, um, Promo code, same promo code, Wheelhouse, uh, which will get you uh, $30 off uh, the ticket. Um, so really excited for it, yeah. Well, we appreciate that. And kudos to you for taking the, um, obviously, the important topic that was very important to your chef and then turning it into something that's bringing awareness to the topic in your industry. Because I, until we spoke off air, I had never really started to think about how dramatically somebody who works in the industry, and I have friends that work in the industry, and um, you know, I, um, you know, obviously know their hours and, and the lack of consistency in, in the way they do things sometimes could really be a stressor. But I never thought about it to the level of it bringing such um, aggressive swings in mental health. And Anthony Bourdain, you know, bringing that up as very, very tragic. He actually came to our jujitsu school a couple years back because he's a big jujitsu guy. And, you know, you look at a guy like that outwardly and, you know, you're like, wow, he's got this amazing life and he's having a lot of fun. It's everybody's dream parties. job, right? His dream job. And he, like, when everybody met him, he's such a positive outwardly guy. And you, you don't realize, like, when he goes home, when he's got to just kind of unwind from that, what is he dealing with? So it's fascinating that you guys have, um, targeted this in not fascinating so much, but impressive that you're targeting it in your industry and one that probably really needs it, but people probably don't focus there. Well, it's 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 tough to talk about, and yeah. that's why I give Jacob, our sous chef, a lot of credit in approaching me and discussing it with me. And it's you know it's something I've struggled with my entire career, and and a lot of us do, and we internalize it, right? And yeah. so. It is, and I think you kind of hit the hit the nail on the head when we opened up that it's it's difficult to approach it, and so what, it's kind of one of those things that once we once we get it out there, yeah. then we can all kind of start sharing and, and talk about it and the things that we that we do. But I mean, the hours are just especially when you're a younger manager and you're working your way up. You know, I mean, I moved all over the country by myself. I mean, literally, you would have two days to be in a new restaurant. And you don't know anybody, you know, it's finding everything new. I mean, what's the first thing you do besides, you know, finding a, a dry cleaner to press your chef coat is you, you find your, your bar, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, know people. yeah, so that you can, you can unwind after, you know, a 15, 16 hour shift. And, um, so it's, you know, not on long hours, awkward hours. I mean, man, I was living in Cleveland for a little bit and I would close down the restaurant, get out there at one and then have to be back in the morning at five to open up the kitchen. Uh, and then you would close some nights, open other nights. And so there was no consistency. Um, and it's, it's difficult. I love my job. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but, um, it has its challenges and weighing on you and, you know, you, you're working when everybody else is playing. So, you know, on a Saturday night, I'm seeing everybody having a great time and I'm going, I'm at work, but then I get to play when everybody else works. So Tuesday, when you guys are all working, I'm, I'm having a great time and I don't have to, y'all aren't in my way. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It's it's crazy when you put it that way cuz 
you know, when you do go out, you think to yourself, wow, like this is a happy environment. You're having fun. So your assumption is, okay, the people who are here too are part of this cool, happy environment. And it might be a cool, great environment, but they are working. And that lack of consistency and the lack of um, the long hours, the the strange hours sometimes um, where, you know, you're your sphere of influence, your friends, you know, you might be working and they're, they want to go out and enjoy themselves. You don't get the opportunity to spend that time with them because the rest of the time you want to spend with them, you're stuck. They're stuck at work and you have free time. It's a, it's an industry where I can now see after we spoke about it, um, how this would be a very beneficial thing to, to bring awareness to because, and I'm guessing a lot of people, you know, they, they work in the industry. Like you said, they go home, and then they don't have somebody to bounce that off of because their friends are at work. They don't want to bug them. Um, so they internalize it a lot. So kudos to you guys again. Or our friends are in the industry too. Right. And, and <laughs> yeah. they're off drinking or they're working the opposite schedule we are. Exactly. So no, it, it's, 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 it's something I'm really proud of my team for, yeah, for, for bringing, pr- bringing the light uh, to this and doing an event. Um, uh, to, to bring some awareness to it. So. And hope for day, you know, I hope for the day I took a look at, you know, their site, they're doing some amazing stuff. You know, they had a statistic and I'll read it cause I don't want to butcher it. It said one in four people report a mental health crisis in their life globally. Over 800,000 suicides are reported each year with exponentially more going unreported in America alone. Over 121 individuals complete suicide on a daily basis. That's a, cr- that's a staggering number. You're talking about basically a million people every single year around the world. And I I think it's probably getting worse because it's a difficult topic to talk about, except for guys like you and your team who are actually trying to take it head on and make it better. That's staggering. I read it um, because I wanted to get the facts right. And I was like, holy smokes. I obviously knew it was getting worse. You hear about it on TV, but I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's scary. It's scary that we're losing really wonderful people due to something that, you know, when we, when we look at it, it, it's on the surface is like, well, just be better. Just don't think that way. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, it seems so simple, but there's so many layers and it's such a, such a difficult topic, uh, to crack. And, uh, sometimes it just, it just starts around conversation. Yeah. And I think Bourdain, I mean, again, don't want to, he's not the only guy who's done it, but you look at him and we all envied his life. You travel the world, you get to see everything. You're a famous guy, you're loved, you get to do what you love. Mm-hmm. And But when he goes home, it could be a completely different scenario. So again, kudos to you guys on uh, taking that head on. And for anybody listening, um, sounds like it's gonna be an incredible event with amazing food, great speakers. Um, and obviously uh, your attendance goes to an incredible cause. So November 5th, right? Yeah, it's this coming Monday, first time ever, shutting down to the public. So. Uh, we figured this was a big, important one, and uh, we're going to do, uh, you know, any fundraiser we've done in the past, we've kind of done it in the back or done it in tandem with opening for service, and we said this one needs our full attention. Yeah, so um, if you were thinking of going there for food, go someplace else <laughs> that he is a uh, owner, operator of. Yeah. Changing gears a little bit, and we'll, we'll come oh, back. Oh, we'll have food at the event. They'll definitely be wonderful food at the event, so buy yeah. a ticket and come. Exactly, there buy a that. ticket and come. See, I butchered that. <laughs> He's the better sales guy than I am. Buy a ticket and come. If you're looking for great food, buy a ticket and come. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, incredible cause and um, tickets still available. John, I think you are, and I can sometimes see our uh, our live feed. You are yeah. putting the uh, site up, and yes, um, absolutely. What we'll do after we're done here is 
we'll share the link as well in the comment section. Yeah, sure. So anybody watching, you can just kind of well, click on it. We appreciate your support. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, it's an incredible cause. And uh, again, even me who has a lot of friends in the industry, I sometimes take for granted how difficult um, their hours and uh, the stresses that they take on are. It's almost like, uh, you know, you talk about entrepreneurs and you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, and uh, as am I. And so is John, you know, we have our stresses because of the lack of consistency, but sometimes people don't realize you don't only have to be an entrepreneur to have a lack of consistency, yeah. weird hours, and tons of stress. There's other areas of the world that, uh, and the, the work world that have that as well. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions that go on in one shift, and it's just the high swings of, you know, killing it and having a great, great event. And then, you know, five minutes later, you butcher somebody's order and then you have somebody calling and screaming because they didn't yeah. like something happened or, you know, so there's a lot of emotions that swing up and down. It's just like this pendulum. So I just, uh. you know, it's fun, <laughs> funny enough, I, we, I was talking about this uh, over the weekend with a friend of mine and um, we ate something and it was, the order was all messed up, but I never complain. I just kind of take my food and I'm like, hey, listen, they're serving a lot of people. This sort of thing happens. So I'm like, no, my food's good. I'll eat anything that's not peanut butter. So for me, it doesn't matter. I just don't like peanut butter. What are you, Unless communist? They, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I like peanuts, but not peanut butter. Crazy story. I feel like because I like peanuts, not peanut butter, I was traumatized by my kindergarten teacher because she made me have ants on a log when I was a kid. And uh, it's it's celery and peanut butter. And yeah. I didn't want to have it. And she forced me to have it. I think since then... Uh -huh. I'm you just don't like being told what to do. It yeah, has exactly. nothing to do with peanut <laughs> yeah, butter. Yeah. You told me you got to <laughs> eat the steak. I'll be like, I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> but barring that, I'll eat anything else. And I just didn't complain. And my friend didn't either. And I had not had dinner with him um, or a late lunch ever. And we were just getting together and, and eating. And he didn't either. And his was kind of messed up too. And we, we talked about this. We said, uh, we just don't complain that much at restaurants. But... There are some people where their order could be right and the temperature is a little bit wrong and they're just up in fucking arms about it. And the staff has to deal with that. And I'm sure half the time the staff wants to be like, hey, asshole, it's not that big of a deal. But <laughs> they have to swallow their pride and you know, be kind to the person. And that adds up over a long period of time. Yeah, if you have a, if you have a rough one and you, you've made a lot of mistakes and I mean, you have bad days, you have a lot of people, a lot of people coming at you yeah. at, one, at one time. It's... It's your manager, you know, it's your yeah. boss. It's sometimes, sometimes it's the employees coming at me. You know, I make the wrong decision as a boss, so I feel terrible about a decision yeah. that I made. And then I piss off a table and now they're mad and you go home and you're like, God, 20 people hate me today. Yeah, some you know? asshole writes a Yelp <laughs> review yeah. that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but he's like, God oh, damn it. Well, if you ever want to see my Yelp reviews, I'm uh, somewhat famous for my responses to people. Really? So, yes. You're yeah. one of the good responders. I, I, you know, Yelp needs to be used for the positives and... Yeah. If you'd like to share something with me where we need to work on it, I'd love to hear it. I'd love yeah. to converse with you about it. But, um, you know, if you're going to complain and make things up, then I'll put you in your place. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love it. Because I, I've, we've talked about this uh, a couple times on the show. I, I hate Yelp. Um, Yelp, please don't go to my company pages and filter out <laughs> all my good reviews. They control the world, so they don't do. say anything. So I, uh, I, uh, have a, I had a client of mine who used to have a med spa. And they had an angry old employee go and write a bunch of bullshit reviews. And they were selling on Groupon and their Yelp rating was pretty high. Yelp magically filtered out a lot of good reviews, left a lot of bad reviews, and their Yelp rating dropped. And the Groupon called them and said, we can't have this. We can't have somebody who's got such a low rating. We're going to have to drop you. So I, my law firm got a call wow. and they're like, what do we do? 
and Yelp called them like a week or two weeks. If anyone of my friends works for Yelp right now, don't <laughs> fucking freak out. I think I have I'm not condoning what he's saying right yeah, now. He's like, he's like, I love Yelp. I love Yelp the people and group who work on. for Yelp. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. Just but, the users sometimes I don't like. Yeah, the users. <laughs> so they uh, they say, hey, listen, if you pay a little bit more, we can't control the reviews that go up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, you know, your algorithms change or whatever happens. So I thought, it's my opinion. No one else's. That that's a little bit of extortion. So I reached out no to Yelp. Comment. Reached out to Yelp Legal, <laughs> and um, I sent them a demand letter. They ignored me for about a month, and I shit you not, I get a call from a uh, like a San Francisco number, and I pick it up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Hi, this is Yelp Legal, and uh, good luck suing us. You're never gonna win. Uh, Google Yelp extortion. You're gonna lose like everybody else." And he goes, "Click," and I'm like. <laughs> What? Oh, like, there's your, there's so, your response. There's my response. Letter. So I, uh, that's my opinion on them. Long, long-winded opinion on them. <laughs> How did you um, get into the hospitality business? Was it something you always wanted to do? Uh, no. Uh, I uh, needed some money at 14 years old to do whatever 14-year-olds do and uh, rode a skateboard down to a Taco Bell and lied about my age. <laughs> Um, back then there wasn't a lot of verifications in suburbs outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. And, uh, got a job at Taco Bell and, uh, it just kind of followed me from there. I kind of worked through the fast food scene and, um, just somewhere along the line, it, it struck a chord with me. It's something I love to do. I really in, enjoy the, the satisfaction that comes from it and, and found out I was good at it. Yeah. And, uh, so I've never had a job outside of the hospitality industry. It's all I've oh. ever done. So you come with a lot of experience. Was the VIG kind of your first owner-operator? Uh, so I used to be a part owner and uh, the director of operations for Big Onion Tavern Group. Okay. Um, so um, that company was kind of uh, loosely started, I think, in 08 or 09 by a couple of gentlemen. I jumped on board in 2010. Uh, we had a couple concepts, and then I grew it to eight concepts with our team there. Wow. Um, I was a partial owner uh, with some sweat equity and uh, in charge of the entire operations. Um, and so it was, it was really learned by fire there. Um, and then um, got some great experience. I mean, you learn a lot of what to do and what not to do and was very fortunate for that opportunity. And um, my time had come to an end with that company um, and kind of decided that, you know, well, it's time for me to make the money for myself now. Yeah. And um, uh, left and spent, a, spent uh, about a year and a half putting together the concept and the ideas and the team and uh, everything along the lines that goes with it and did a lot of self-reflecting on all the mistakes I'd made and you know what kind of boss I wanted to be you know one of the things I really thought about was the employees and the managers and the teams I was going to put together and um, what their work week is going to look like and how they're going to be happy at work and one of the one of the things we do at Legacy Hospitality is we do a five day work week, which is really rare. I know nice. people are probably watching, going, "Yeah, I'm like no." In the hospitality industry, that's rare. extremely rare. Um, and then our managers, um, is typically it's a it's a ten hour shift, which is is relatively rare as well. Uh, we're usually 11, 12, sometimes you know fifteen, sixteen hour shifts, um, and I make sure they they're scheduled two days off. And then as well, um, a lot of the times in in restaurants. Your work is you're on the floor, and then you get done, and you've got all this admin work to do. Yeah. And then so you got to do that on your day off, and that's what makes your your, your hours go to 15, 16, 17. So um, at least once or once a week or once every two weeks, I give every one of my managers an office day. So they get to c- get caught up on life yeah. and everything else so that they 
when they're working and they're on the floor, they can be effective managers and they don't have to worry about all the other stuff. Um, so that was really kind of the goal behind it and how I really wanted to, to form um, a company was really starting with our people. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about having great food, having great service, having beautiful ambiance. It's all, you know, those things are very, very important, but the most important aspect is the people by far. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure I recruited the best people and I treated them really well. So, well, I know for a fact that's very rare in the industry, and it sounds like your um, your leadership of everybody. It sounds like you really put a lot of thought into being an incredible leader. Um, is is that something you've worked on? Because as a business owner, I've I've been challenged with that, and I, I feel like I've learned to become a better leader over time. Is that something you focus a lot of attention on leadership? Uh, that's a huge amount of what I do, and it, it's it's challenging because. I don't normally view myself that way. Uh, you know, my, my own paradigm of, of who I am isn't necessarily that way. And so it, it was a big uh, uh, paradigm shift for myself when I realized, even though I had been a boss for years, going, wait a minute, I'm a boss. You know, and it's like, I'm not, not in that sense, but I'm, I'm somebody's boss. I'm telling them what to do. And it's, you know, kind of when you think about life and the, the, the things that affect you, you've got your parents, you've got your deity or your religion or whatever it is that you believe in. And then, your boss is up there in the top, you know, three, four of the things you take home with you and yeah. you deal with. And um, I had a big shift in my life going, wait a minute, I'm affecting these people's lives. And I had a great moment when I was transferred from J. Alexander's uh, here in Chicago and I moved down to open a, a J. Alexander's in West Palm Beach, Florida. And uh, the, the staff threw me a party and it was one of the greatest nights of my life. And one by one, I had employees come up to me and tell me different stories about how I impacted their life uh, in a different scenario that I didn't even realize I had done. And so I'm thinking, oh, what, what were the other ones too? You know, and, and so, yeah, to answer your question, it's a huge focus of mine because that's the majority of my job. And I always ask in every interview is, what's the hardest part about being an upper level management? And you know, the answer for me is the eyes are on you all the time yeah. and that you're affecting these people's lives. And, you know, you make mistakes, um, but you want to be able to recover from those and realize that, hey, these people are showing up. They have a choice to work in, in that venue, and they're showing up, and they're, and they're working, and you want them to enjoy it. I want work to be an extension of our life and for us to have a great time at work, um, and, and we talk about that in the culture of our, of our company. It's called expanding the gray between work and play. Oh, and, I like that. Um, you know, we, we, I want people to enjoy coming into work. I want them to look forward to it. I look forward to it. And uh, it stops kind of being work when, when you're enjoying it a little bit more. I really love that. That is um, a great mindset. And I'm sure things like your, your staff and your management coming to you and saying you've made an impactful change make all those crazy hours so much more worthwhile. And I agree with you. I chal I, I'm very challenged on feeling like a boss. I I don't have an office in my office. I kind of sit out with everybody and you know, people tell me all the time, well, this is my boss. I'm like, no, you're my teammate. And, and I feel like we're probably very much alike in that you have to create an atmosphere. Like you said, that people want to come into work, especially because if your staff is happy, they're going to make you know, the customers happy. And it's a very direct, it's a direct experience for me. My customers are a little bit removed from me. They're not face to face with me all day. Yours in the hospitality industry, they're face to face with you guys every single day, which is a challenge. How, um, 
How have you found it to be, and I'm, I'm sure I kind of know the answer, I'm bumping and sending this mm-hmm. for you, to manage multiple spots at one time. I'm always fascinated because I have friends of mine that have one restaurant mm-hmm. and it's hard enough, but you have multiple um, places that you have to be. How do you find uh, the time to manage that? Uh, you don't sleep a lot? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, once again, it goes back to the people, right? Um, and it's, it's the team. Um, I've just been incredibly blessed to have the team that I have and the business partners that I have. And um, it's it's really making long-term decisions of how the company is going to grow. Um, I've worked with companies where, when do you grow? Well, when we got a great real estate deal or when this place went out of business and we bought it or when this happened or that. When do we grow at Legacy Hospitality? When we have the people in place. Currently, I have 14 managers in one location preparing wow. For another location to open, which probably won't open until middle of March, but those people will be ready to go. I'm not going to have some rinky-dink person that I hired off the street that I hardly even know stepping into a brand new venue trying to figure it out. That money that's invested today will pay itself off a hundred times over, and as well in their lifestyle and their enjoyment of what they're doing will pay off um, because we've set them up properly. Um, so a big answer to your question is how, how do you do that? Is it's constantly analyzing how you're doing it and structuring it uh, in a way where people's lives can, can be lived outside of work and then we can give the responsibilities to the right players. Um, I read a book uh, by uh, a family friend of ours by the name of John Thedford. And John Thedford uh, wrote a book called Smart Moves. And it's, um, he's got the most successfully privately held pawn shops in the world. And the guy's just insanely, uh, insanely successful. And you know, n- up until recently, really, restaurants haven't been viewed as a very glamorous job. Uh, and still, sometimes it's not. Um, there's no barrier to entry in what we do. You don't need an education to do what we do. And so pawn shops are kind of along those lines, right? It's not a glamorous job to be the GM of a pawn shop, necessarily. Um, and he found this niche of going and finding the best managers and putting them in place, paying them what they're worth, and just had incredible results with it. And so really that's kind of what we, we based um, Legacy Hospitality around was finding the best people, paying them what they're worth, clear-cut directions, and giving them a lifestyle that they can live with. And because of that, they don't have to worry about anything else. When they come to work, they're working. And that's it because half the time when people go to work these days, you're worrying about the other 50% of everything else that's going on in your company that you're unsure about, that you're nervous about, that the economy or this or that. I give them the stability and uh, the environment where they're happy. And because of that, we can sit and say, okay, who can handle this? Who can handle that? How can we start to remove ourselves a little bit to start looking for real estate or start to grow the company in this aspect? And by no means am I the mastermind behind this. Typically, it's everybody else on the team that comes up with the ideas, and I just go, yeah, that was a good idea. Yeah, go with it. (laughs) You're a mastermind on being the quarterback of that team though, because it's uh that's a lot of people to manage. It's a lot of personalities to manage, but obviously you fostered a really awesome working environment where they want to do better for, um, for the business, for, for their colleagues, for you. And that sort of kind of givers gain. I mean, it seems like everybody's got that cool givers gain mindset with, with you guys. 
Um, what was the name of that book? Because I'm a big reader on Yeah, it's called, it's called Smart Moves by John S- Bedford. Smart Moves. Okay, yeah. I'm going to have to put that in my Audible. Now that I'm flying away next week, I'm trying to compile a couple books because I might have some downtime there. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to Smart Moves. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm yeah. He's a, he's a very successful, great guy, actually. He's called me a couple times personally to congratulate me on the success. Uh, just, a, just a great human. Very cool. Yeah. So John is showing me that it's time for our mortgage minute. We have one sponsor here at Wheelhouse, Fantastic. and it's our very, fa- very, uh, very much favorite uh, mortgage broker, Matt Rosen. Thank you very much for Matt. John's going to show you guys a quick clip about Matt, and then we'll get back to uh, Ryan. Hi, I'm Matt Rosen of Neighborhood Loans. Here to share with you today's mortgage minute. Know the difference between a simple pre-qualification and a real pre-approval. The initial pre-qualification usually consists of a short conversation where the lender gets basic information and then may or may not even run your credit. A full pre-approval always consists of running your credit and then verifying your information by collecting the income and asset documentation upfront. When speaking to a mortgage professional, always make sure that these steps have been taken in order to guarantee a full pre-approval. For more information or to get the process started, please feel free to contact me using the information on the screen. I'm Matt Rosen, and that's today's Mortgage Minute. Thank you, Matt Rosen of Neighborhood Loans. We love you, buddy. Um, We appreciate everything you do. Uh, My clients sure as heck always appreciate you. You're the man. Um, If you guys have any sort of mortgage needs, give Matt Rosen a call. I trust him with all my business, and so does practically everybody in my real estate office. So give our good buddy Matt a call. Now back to Ryan. Do you like that? I'm smoothing out my like, you like that? Do you like that? I'm getting better at the commercial outro intro. Um, So what's fascinating about what you're doing is I I always talk about stress levels um, in my line of work as an entrepreneur, but my real estate stressful, law is stressful, but I feel like just being in the hospitality industry in general stressful, but you have that stress and then you have the stress of actually being an entrepreneur too. Do you do anything to manage that stress? Like personally, is it working out? Is there anything you do to manage it? Cause I'm fascinated. It's like you have the double stress. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, you can, you, you, there's a lot of different things you do. I mean, yes, uh, mental, mental health and physical health are a huge part of it because physical health just dramatically um, affects your mental health. So it's extremely important to me um, to stay physically healthy. Um, my father, who is my biggest mentor and also my business partner, um, is huge on it. He's actually, um, he's, he does like ninja warrior workouts. He's insane. He, he's uh, 63, 64, and he can do a thousand push-ups in a day. The guy is, what? is just insane. Yeah, I've, I've witnessed it. Um, not all at once, but throughout yeah, the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He read just Jesse Itzler's book, uh, Living with a Seal, and ever since then has uh, been challenged. I mean, he does it a couple times a week, actually. Um, but it's, 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 it's a big thing in our family to stay uh, physically healthy. I just ran the Chicago Marathon. Running has been a big part Good of it. Good for you. Um, uh, my dad was a big runner. I think he ran seven or eight marathons in his, his time. Uh, so I'm a big runner. Uh, work out a bunch. Yoga. Um, and um, just recently started doing cryo, which has actually been fantastic as well. The, the, the uh, yeah, freezing? Yeah, free, where you freeze yourself. Is it really um, that cold? It's, it's yeah, cold it's freezing. It's freezing, It's yeah. really cold. Um, but I'll do that to recover from workouts, so I get a faster recovery and can get back into work. Um, but I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, what we do is we're running around so fast and doing all these different things and multitasking that I've, I've found what helps me if I stop for 20 minutes 
and you know clear my head or um, I'm also a musician I'll sit down and you know play the guitar play the piano for you know 10 20 minutes um, and just take my mind off of everything and then when I get back to the actual work I'm that much more clear-headed and I can actually accomplish more than trying to work through that 20 minutes um, so sometimes it's just shifting gears a little bit and finding that outlet and you know it's different for everybody else for me it's always been music I, I that's awesome because Time blocking is so important in any sort of uh, entrepreneur life, like lifestyle. But for you guys, your hours are all different. So you got to find that little bit of time wherever you can. And I'm going to come back to that in a second. I'm still fascinated about this thousand push-ups in a day. <laughs> because I used to have my high school push-up record. Okay? I, used, I broke a world bench press record when I was in high school so I could do a lot of push-ups. I've never tried a thousand a day. That is an insane amount. Especially for... And I don't want to say somebody in their 60s is old because your dad's probably on Facebook and he could probably <laughs> kick my ass. So I definitely don't want to say that. But a thousand push-ups, even for a teenager, is a lot of push-ups. Yeah, he'll, he'll do them 50 to 60 at a time and then throughout the day and then knock them Have out. Have you ever tried to match that? Uh, you know, I kind of got into it for a little bit and then was like, ah, oh, I got shoulder problems. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> John, that's our new thing. You got to do a thousand push-ups a day. Wait, I have to? Yeah, yeah, you. How We're going to have you do it. How did I get elected? I don't know. I have a torn pec, so it's on you. <laughs> One of us has to do the challenge now. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. I'll I'll do that if you run the marathon. No, hell, hell no. There I'll do go. the push-ups. So which, you you which do you want to do? <laughs> exactly. We, um, congratulations on the marathon. Thank you. Uh, we had a couple people in our office run it. And I always laugh about the marathon. I have bad knees. I'm, see, I'm making a lot of excuses now. <laughs> but old, I do right? have pretty bad knees. I run every day. So I run typically a 5K every day. And or almost every day, but the marathon distance, the first person who ran it fell over and died after they ran the 26.2 miles. Isn't it that they ran 26.2 miles to let people know that there were soldiers invading and then he fell over and died. So my mindset is I should never run 26.2 miles because the first person who did it died and Whatever helps you get through that. Yeah. Whatever you <laughs> I, have, I have a friend of mine that does ultra marathons, and she did a, a couple hundred mile races, which to me, I just think that's it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. It's a, it's a big mental game once you get past a certain point. It's all about just controlling, you know, controlling your body through, through your mental awareness of what's going on and, and the challenges with it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it's with all the swings and everything that we have, staying mental, mentally and physically well is a huge part yeah. to, to stay focused in, in what we do. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge in, in anybody's life. But, um, you know, I'm not saying ours is harder than anybody else's, but we do have those swings that, uh, you know, makes it extremely challenging sometimes. And so those are, those are some of the things I do to cope. But it's, you know, it's working out. And, you know, sometimes, I'll be honest, it's, it's a nice dinner with some great friends and a couple bottles of wine. And that's... You know, sometimes that just gets it off your chest as long as that doesn't become a habit. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that'll make it very hard to run hungover and right. do a thousand push-ups <laughs> if, you, if you're exactly. drinking a couple of bottles of wine every exactly. night. Exactly. No, but I, I mean, I'm going to give it to you guys. I think it is probably one of the most difficult industries to have to um, manage your time with. I mean, it. there might be other people who work a night shift and, you know, there's, I know nurses that work just night shifts and that's tough because you're working a night shift and you still have that opposite schedule to everybody. Mm -hmm. But the consistency is, it's, it's more consistent than mm -hmm. what you guys are doing. So I, I do think it's probably one of the most difficult industries to do this in. And I also think it's one of those things where you especially, 
you're like I said, it's doubly difficult for you because you also have to be the entrepreneur. So kudos to you. I read you work with the Chicago Leadership Alliance. Yeah, so I was one of the founding uh, members. I was actually the, the last founding member uh, uh, when it was founded uh, four years ago by a couple of dear friends of mine. And uh, basically, we're kind of a we're we're, we're a nonprofit that helps other nonprofits. Uh, so we're an organization that uh, has several different pillars. One of them, and our strongest one, being philanthropic, uh, as well as uh, we work a little bit on business, social. There's a social aspect to it, uh, and then civic is a huge part of it as well. Uh, sat on the board for a little over two years and um, just stepped down a couple months ago with the two new projects we have coming up with Legacy. Um, but uh, they've done a lot of good, and the, and the group has um, really made some strides. We actually um, launched a website, uh, I guess it was a year and a half ago. It's called GoCivicChicago.com, um, and it links over 15,000 nonprofit and civic organizations uh, in our city. And um, it, was, uh, it, it is an incredible tool for anybody to use. Um, you know, I, I do some work down in, in Haiti, and when I was putting together a, a, non, uh, a fundraiser for, uh, for my nonprofit, I just searched Haiti on Go Civic Chicago, and it comes up. There's 14 different organizations in Chicago that do work there. And so I was able to connect with different individuals and be able to combine our work so that we could uh, have a bigger impact. So it's got that. You can create kind of your own personal page where you can log your hours for how you're volunteering or if... You know, you're sitting around with your significant other on a Saturday because you guys don't work Saturdays, and you want to go volunteer somewhere, and you can say, "Let's, what's something we can do for, you know, dogs within a five-mile radius?" And it'll show you the different uh, volunteer opportunities. Uh, so it's an incredible resource for the city of Chicago, linking all of these uh, nonprofit and civic organizations um, together. Uh, and with that, as we started to do this, we realized, well. To keep this thing going, we need some money, yeah. <laughs> which is always the, the barrier, right? That's why we have commercials um, in the right. middle of the Exactly, house. right. So, um, you know, where does my mind think make money off alcohol, which is what I do for a living and food. And so um, I reached out to um, a great guy by the name of Dave Dahl, who's co-owner of Low Res Brewery out of Pilsen. And uh, if any of you listeners haven't had their beers, they're incredible. And Dave is just a, just a great dude. Um, we worked together and created a Cezanne uh, and called it Go Civic Chicago Cezanne. And uh, we did a, a, a first run a um, couple months ago and put it into a bunch of bars here in the city. Dynamic Group uh, picked it up. We had Big Onion Tavern Group pick it up, Four Corners Tavern Group, um, Happy Camper, and uh, Home Slice picked it up. Some great guys there. And um, a dollar from every beer went back to help fund the website and keep wow. it going so that we could continue to uh, connect Chicago. Um, we just released our second round and batch, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a shout out for all the people that um, are on that list selling the beer. So uh, if you're into saisons, which this is an excellent one, the Vig obviously is selling it. Uh, we've got Happy Camper, uh, Hopsmith, uh, Roots Pizza, Westtown Bakery and Tap, the Met Metropolitan Club of Chicago, which is about to do their uh, grand reopening, uh, Jerry's Whiskey and Sandwiches, uh, Benchmark, and Porter Kitchen and Deck. Uh, I'll have the Go Civic uh, Saison. If they don't have it starting today, they'll have it within the next week or so. Um, so uh, drink a great beer and give a dollar back to uh, connecting all the organizations all over the city. What a um, great cause and a great idea. Yeah, go drink some beer. When you're drinking beer, drink that beer so it can go to such an amazing cause. What I love about what you guys did there is, you're right, Chicago is a very giving city and there's so many different 
charitable organizations, but you can combine efforts in so many different places. Like you said, in Haiti, you know, you can combine everybody together to have a bigger impact. And obviously you have a very united and similar um, care and love for what you guys are doing down there, but you can unite via numbers. And I never knew that existed. I, it's uh, John shaking his head. He didn't either. No, what a I fascinating idea. And I it's something not. that I'm going to look at. Our office does a main street cares where we look to find things to go sponsor our time with. And we take our agents and we go do that. And I never even knew. And that's the exact reason it was built. And I've, I mean, I've had huge organizations such as Tito's call me and yeah. they go, Hey, we've got 25 and Tito's by the way, is a fantastic organization. I think, I don't remember what their bylaws say, but it's something of like seven or eight of them or something are in the same city from corporate, they have to do something philanthropic. Wow. They have to do something. And then, yeah, just been an incredible company and a great partner of ours. But they call me and go, we got a bunch of uh, corporate coming in town. We got to do something. You're the person to call. And I said, I connected him with Beth Bond, who's the director for Go Civic and got him hooked up with a great event that we actually ended up hosting at the VIG where they got to package up a bunch of uh, holiday goodies for some kids that, that can't afford to have holidays and it ended up being a great event. I am going to hook up Laura. Laura, sometimes when she watches this, I, I end up, she's in my office. She's, uh, she's the head of our marketing department. She sets up all of our events. I'm going to hook her up with you guys if that's okay because Absolutely. that'll give us the ability. We have about 70 agents in our office and we always try to find a way to give back and we never knew that existed and john i just saw on my phone you put up the graphic for it so for those of you listening we're coming into the holidays you should always be giving back uh you should try to do that throughout the year but this becomes the time of year where people are really searching to be able to give back to donate their time donate their money their effort somewhere um check that out because what a cool thing you're doing for the community and if you have a nonprofit or a civic organization and you haven't claimed your space yet you need to go on and, and claim your space so that people can find you through there we've we've most likely have found you and put a space up for you um but you need to claim it so that you can get the uh get the benefits from it we have a question uh maggie said with go civic can you volunteer for something same day yes yeah yeah, yeah. it will um it will let you know according to what the parameters are of that organization that you can vol which is a great question because that's a lot of the issues is that a lot of these volunteer organizations have to go through like a background check and there's all these other things. Um, so there are opportunities that are same day that if you're just sitting around your board and you want to go do something positive with your time, you can. So those, to answer your question, yes, those opportunities are on there. Good for you. There's so much givers gain in you. I mean, there's so much giving back to the community and you're not, you, you've fallen in love with Chicago, obviously, because you're not a Chicago native and you've lived in a hundred different places. Um, Chicago's home now, huh? Yeah. Um, I've lived in nine cities. So, um, yeah, bouncing. You learn a lot about yourself bouncing around the hospitality industry. Texas, Tennessee, Florida, a little bit on Ohio. Um, but yeah, the, you know, really the people in Chicago are fantastic people. And I've never experienced uh, the hospitality industry like it is here. Um, we all really work together. We're all friends. Um, you know, I was just having dinner at a, at a friend's restaurant last night, Prosecco, which is amazing. And uh, we work where if I can't handle a party, uh, you know, I'll throw it to him or I'll call somebody else. And, you know, it's not like we just put that away. You know, we all work together and it's, it's a huge friendly operation. And it's, it's a family that you can live like a rock star when you don't make any money because you are in the hospitality industry and we all take care of each other. It's just really quickly became uh, a family for me here in Chicago was the restaurant industry and hospitality in general. Is that different than some other cities? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I felt it more in Chicago than I felt it in any city. Another city that actually is extremely strong is Las Vegas. 
you get treated like a rock star when you if you work in Las Vegas in the industry and go out there, and if you work in the industry um, outside of there, they still treat you really well. Um, I didn't experience in, in some of the cities I lived in at all. It's, in fact, I've experienced the opposite in some cities. It's fascinating to me because I always talk about the real estate community, and we are very much the same way. You know, I have friends that manage at properties offices, Keller Williams offices, and we're so collaborative. and And it's not an aggressive like I hate that company, we hate this company. Everybody works together, and we share ideas, we share information, we try to help each other grow. And I'm only used to Chicago because I'm kind of born and raised here minus a couple years living in Texas when I was a kid and I just thought that's how it was but it's fascinating and also um, great to know that Chicago is that way and some other places aren't I wish they were but it's it's a it's a big uh, big credit to the people in Chicago yeah I just I found Chicago just an incredible city from the you know the moment I moved here um, it, it was crazy to go out and you would become friends with people that were at the bar with you, you know, or you would just randomly meet people and make friends that just wasn't happening in other cities that I lived in. Um, I mean, I ended up being the best man in a wedding at a guy I met at a bar, you know, we ended up being best friends and it's, uh, it just doesn't happen that way. And so I think sometimes we take that for granted in Chicago, but the people here are amazing. I think there's a little bit of like that Southern hospitality and charm to it, but it's, it's, it's different in the sense that uh, everybody's, in Chicago, I feel like wants to know each other, wants to support each other, and wants to network in a positive way. A Midwestern big town feel that we have that no other big Midwestern town. I guess there's we're the biggest Midwestern town. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask a question from our guests, and then John has a question he would like me to ask. Uh, Susan said, is the volunteering opportunities just in the city of Chicago, or are there opportunities in the suburbs also? Uh, yes, it does span a little bit into the suburbs. I don't know how far into the suburbs. That's a great question. Um, but yes, there are opportunities um, out in Chicagoland area. Wonderful. Um, and this is a question we ask uh, almost all of our guests. Any lessons you've learned, life lessons that you want to give somebody who might just be an entrepreneur, getting into your industry? Um, any lessons for anybody? Oof. Um, put you on the John. John put you on the spot. <laughs> I, did, I did that too. That was, that was, that John. was John doing, that not was me. John. It was, it was John's it was. question. You know, as cheesy and as simple as it, as it sounds, the life lessons that I've learned that I've been the most successful with are very simple: um, honesty and integrity. Do what you said you were going to do. Um, and and then the biggest one really is that when you face and tackle and have the uncomfortable conversations and the failures and the uncomfortable situations, that's when you grow the biggest. And we all put them aside and put them off and kind of, you know, we can be passive aggressive with those things. But, you know, when you call and have that difficult conversation and have that honesty that comes out, that's the biggest growth I've ever had in my career is getting past those conversations. And, you know, I, I, still, I still fear them and don't, don't look forward to them and they're the hardest part of our jobs. Um, but that's when I've, I've seen the biggest amount of growth is, is through having that honest, that honest conversation with somebody. And to, to throw another book out there, there's a book by Kim Scott called Radical Candor. And she talks about being radically candid with people. And you, of course, you have to have a relationship with people. You can't just go and say what's <laughs> on your mind at any yeah. point in time with no filter. Um, but she talks about creating those relationships and then being honest with somebody and, and just saying, you know, hey, this is 
this is what I'm thinking and this is why. Yeah. And when you have that relationship, the person can go, wow, I respect you for telling me that and not letting me walk around and continue with my zipper down or whatever it may have been, you know, you told me so I didn't, no, no one else would tell me. And uh, sometimes it's just something as simple as that is being radically candid with somebody. Great advice and another great book that I'm probably going to check out. You, a lot of times entrepreneurs come on the show and they, they give book recommendations that I've already read. That's two so far today that I have not read. So I appreciate that and I appreciate the advice. Have you read Living advice. with a Seal? I have not, but I've read Extreme Ownership by Jocko and them. But Living with a Seal, that's the one you said your dad read? That Jesse Itzler, yeah. Okay. That's a quick read and it's fun. Okay. Laughing out loud. Yep. Okay, I'm going to have to check that one yeah. out. I probably won't do a 1,000 push-ups after it, but who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Maybe you will. John maybe and I will split them, 500, 500. Yeah, maybe your pack That's will get ma you know, better magically. <laughs> I, um, it's fascinating to me when people take, and I'm going off topic a little bit, take you know health and they, they have that follow them through to kind of their middle ages and then even after that, it just always seems like those people are the happiest people. And it's going back to that topic of when you take care of your health and you take care of your body as you get older and stress is hit and even like uh, health stress is hit, you just overcome them faster. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, when you're, your body, our bodies are amazing machines. Yeah. And when we treat them right, I mean, the, the abilities that we have are just incredible. And so, you know, I think about it sometimes like, oh, I'm eating Taco Bell for dinner. And then the next morning you're like, oh, or, you know, if you eat healthy and drink water and don't have those three glasses of wine, how much more productive, you know, you can be the next day. It's a direct reflection of what you put in the body, it's what you're going to produce. It's uh, health equals wealth. I always tell people that. But you start to realize it when you get a little bit older. I mean, when I, when I was, <laughs> yes. John's going to be like, of course, I'm a lot older yes. than you guys. Yes, yes, but. You know, when I was in my 20s, especially in my teens, 20s, I could eat whatever I wanted. I could drink every weekend mm -hmm. and I would lose weight. Now, <laughs> I've been trying to lose some weight. I'm going on vacation next week. Yeah. And being recently single, I, I will go out sometimes on weekends and I'll drink. And then if I drink, I always have a crappy meal. And I work my ass off all week long to lose some weight. I wake up Monday morning and I'm the same weight I was the prior Monday because of mm -hmm. what I did for two days. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you still feel better because you're working out and doing right. things and every, take everything with moderation. Yeah, the older we get, definitely the more challenging Hard. it gets. Yeah. John's like, I know what you guys are talking about. We bust <laughs> John's chops all the time for I being am, a little I bit am, my senior. I am blazing the trail. I am blazing the trail. But John actually works out, I think, more than I do. I got to keep up, man. Yeah. You know, it, and not with you. I don't mean with you. I just mean... You do, though. For it's, I'm, I'm a regiment guy. Uh, consistency is important so it's tuesday thursday saturday sunday those are my four okay. so that way monday wednesday friday i know i'm not going to go and i'm not going to feel bad but tuesday thursday saturday yep. sunday i know that those are my gym days and there's just no excuse for not going so you, go. you know it's easy to say oh i'm going to go to the gym i'll go tomorrow i'll yeah. go tomorrow ah, shit i haven't been there in so long i'm you know why go just regiments and boom yeah. keep, you know after a while, it becomes an addiction, and it's you don't feel good unless you are doing it. Yeah, it's, honest to goodness. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so how, what I do to force myself recently because I'm a late night workout guy. Um, I hate mornings. I've been trying to switch really? to mornings. I, can't work out at night. I I force myself by doing this. I literally will finish what I'm doing throughout the day. I'll get home. I built a gym in my basement, so I have no damn excuse but to just stumble down some stairs and work out. Permaseal. But I'll, yeah, I got to permaseal the basement. Permaseal the Shout basement. out to our guest from last week. Um, Roy, I hope you're listening. But I literally take a 
pre-workout at like 11 p.m. So now I'm wired. And if I don't uh, go work out, I've just completely wasted my life just being wired for no reason. Right. So I'll take the pre-workout <laughs> late at night. I'm How do you get to sleep? I, I fall asleep easy. If uh, I 